So today we're going to finish up this series that we have been doing on the tongue. In Acts chapter 2, there's this language of when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people for the first time, launching the church, of them experiencing empowered speech, speaking in tongues and prophetic words. And as that first move of the Holy Spirit happens, it says in the book of Acts that there were shape of like tongues as it were of fire resting on each of their heads and they began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak. This idea of a spirit-empowered speech and then throughout Acts we see this again and again of God wanting to use our tongues to build up and expand the kingdom of God that we are not in revitalization alone. We are not in post-Christendom sharing Jesus alone. We have the advocate, the Holy Spirit with us to use our tongues and our actions. In James, as we read in the first message of this series, and we'll visit it again perhaps today, in James chapter 3 and 4, he also talks about our tongue, that our tongue can also be set on fire with a very different kind of fire, not also the fire of the Holy Spirit, But he said that we often uh, tear and we gossip and we don't get what we want and we use our words in a destructive way. And when our words are used destructively, he says that fire is the very fire of hell on the believer's tongue. And note he's writing to followers of Jesus. And so this series title has been Tongues on fire by the fire of hell or of fire inspired by the Holy Spirit. And James says in those chapters again, he said, it should not be that out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, comes praising God and tearing down the brothers and sisters and people around us. And yet we find ourselves, me too, I'm not 100% immune to this at all. We find ourselves in that desperate situation. Jesus, to recap what we've talked about said that this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the heart is, in the Bible, is all of those things that make you up beyond just your material body, beyond just your brain uh, walking on top of all this flesh, that there's this part of you that is, when you are born, you are brought into being as this spirit and this heart, this, this inner person that really is who you are, the part of you that makes you, you distinctive from the person next to you, your intellect, your will, your emotions, in modern language, we often use the word mind, but the Bible goes, means more than just the mind when it talks about the heart. It says, out of the abundance of that place, your mouth speaks. And so, in order to see a change in our words, in our confession, we have to admit that our hearts need to be softened by the grace of Jesus. That we need to say, there is something broken in my speech when I go to cursing, when I go to slander, when I go to swears, whatever it may be that, that this, uh, shows something, so it reveals about our heart, what's going on in here. And we can have a hard heart towards God or we can say, Lord, soften my heart. And I don't think that's a one-time prayer. I think that's a continual posture. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we turn towards him. And even if we don't feel it, When we make that decision, it begins to change something and the desires of our heart and our loves get reshaped. The great lies that we often buy into is that I am what I am and that is it. Christianity says, no, in fact, you are on a journey and you are in process. And when you say yes to Christ, not only once, but in a journey with him over and over again, something gets reshaped within you. And yes, you won't be perfect till the life of the world to come. But those desires, God works in that. And he even works in the weakness when we fail. Paul says, uh, in his strength is made, his grace is made perfect in working through those weaknesses as well. But we orient our hearts towards the Lord. 
And so this morning, I want to finish up by talking about the power of blessing. And there's three directions of blessing. I'm borrowing today from Garrett Dawson in his book on the blessing life, which is a great book, and there's a devotional book too. Uh, But I'm going to borrow from him. And let me give you an example of what happens when we don't experience this word of blessing. Bill Glass, some years ago, wrote in Christianity Today, The Power of a Father's Blessing, and he said this. He's talking about the United States, but I think this often can apply anywhere. What is their country's biggest problem? He posits this, the lack of a father's blessing. The FBI studied 17 kids, and this was written originally in 2006, 17 kids who shot their classmates in towns like Paducah, Kentucky, Pearl, Mississippi, and Littleton, Colorado. All 17 shooters had only one thing in common. One thing in common. They had a father problem. He says, I see it so much, it's just unbelievable. There's something about it when a man doesn't get along with his father that makes him mean, makes him dangerous, even makes him angry. One day before Father's Day, I was in North Carolina in a juvenile prison, and I ate lunch with three boys and asked the first boy, is your dad coming to see you tomorrow on Father's Day? Boys that were in this juvenile center. And he said, no, he's not coming. Why not, I asked. He's in prison. I asked the second boy the same question about his father. Is he coming to visit him? And he got the same answer. And I asked the third one why his dad wasn't coming, and he said he got out of prison about nine months ago, and he's doing good, and I'm proud of my father. He's really going to be a good dad to me, and he's going to go straight, meaning make the right decisions in life. And I could tell he was protesting. The boy was protesting so strongly because something was still wrong. So I said, how many times has your dad been here to see you since he got out nine months ago? And he said, well, he hasn't made it here yet. Why not? Well, he lives way, way away. Where does he live? Bill asked. He lives in Durham. Now, Durham was only two hours away, and I had come 1,500 miles to visit the boy And his dad couldn't come two hours. There are a lot of fathers who are really deserters. And when I'm in a prison, I always challenge inmates to bless their kids. If you want to keep your kids out of prison, bless them. Now, I know most of you here today have not been in prison and your children are not in prison. Maybe some, I don't know all of your stories. But there's a principle of blessing that we are created to give and receive from one another and from God, and that it shapes us and forms us. And I dare say as a church, if we want to see next generations come to know Christ, whether we're talking literal children or spiritually people coming, new baby believers in Christ, we as a congregation must learn the power of encouragement and speaking words of blessing. And I want to unpack that this morning. Garrett Dawson tells us there's three directions of blessing. We receive the blessing of God, the Father of us all. And if you need, he's also re- God's also referred to a bit with feminine imagery. Uh, I'm not progressive off the end there. But if you need to hear mother of us all, because maybe you're dealing with that father issue, the father and mother, the God of us all, the original blessing and the re-blessing, even after the brokenness of the fall we read in Genesis with Abraham. Receiving the blessing of God. The second thing that we're going to unpack today is then reflecting that blessing back. 
giving that back to God like we do in worship. And some of you get so uh, maybe annoyed with why does the church sing songs? Why do we do this stuff? Why do we repeat? Why do we do this? Why do we sing hymns? Why do we sing repetitive choruses? You're missing the point. The point is that we are reflecting that back to God and in that something is changed within us. And then out of that, we reflect or we give that blessing to others on this level, in our church, in our family, in our community, in our city. And so we want to dig into that a little bit today. Let me pray with you, and then we will move forward. Amen. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you that we are on a journey of new life, and that it often is three steps forward, yay, three steps, but then we do two steps backwards. We're still moving forward, yay, Jesus, but still... Those two steps backward really hurt sometimes. And Lord, often that it's in our own speech, in our own thoughts that we've not submitted to you, that we've not yielded because our hard hearts, we want to be God. We want to put ourselves on the throne of all. And our culture tells us that. So we're fighting an uphill battle. But your Holy Spirit comes to breathe new life and to set our tongues ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so God, as we conclude this little series, be with us today. I know, Lord, that I am a man who often makes mistakes and I sin and I repent and I turn towards you and it's in the repentance that I grow the most. It's in the turning towards again. And so, Lord, continue that work with each one of us today through your word, in Jesus' name, amen, if you're willing. Out of the changing heart the love of God and the love of others, those actions and words of love grow in us to become more like Christ, out of a changing heart. In 1 Thessalonians, Apostle Paul writes this to the church at Thessaloniki. He says, How now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And he says this, verse 12, And may the Lord cause you to increase, and not only increase, I love this, but overflow with love for one another. And not just one another, he goes on and says, and for everyone else, just as our love, Paul to the Thessalonican Christians, just as our love overflows for you, the Thessalonians. Verse 13, so that he, God, may establish your hearts. That hard work is something that God does when we continually yield to him. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I yield my heart to you. That he may establish your hearts in blamelessness and holiness before our God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Amen. A little later on in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he writes this in verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11, and and this is really the key verse today. If you don't get anything else out of this, hear this, memorize this, get it in your mind, get it in your heart, let it be a seal about your lips, as the psalmist prayed, Lord, set a watch about my lips, O God. Uh, Let this verse be a guide to that. He says this, therefore, therefore, encourage one another. Say it with me, encourage one another. One more time, I don't believe you yet. Encourage one another. Now fake it till you... No, I'm just kidding. One more time. Encourage one another. (laughs) And build each other up. And he's praising them because he says this, just in fact as you are doing. In every church that wrestles with turnaround, 
our language, our words, our speech is one of the biggest battlegrounds. Are we at Pilgrim, a church where people come in, I had a rough week, I had a bad experience, whatever, and they can come here and they can experience genuine encouragement and building one another up, reminded that they were created in the image and likeness of God. Is this a place where that original creational blessing is overflowing? Oftentimes when churches struggle, we forget the power of the Spirit of God to create new life through our words. I speak as one who has not fully arrived in this category and all God's people said. <laughs> now sometimes I do have to give prophetic denun- denunciation and call out sins. There's not, that's, not, that's a way of encouragement, by the way, truth-telling. But it, again, as we talked about last week, in love. Paul says in love, telling the truth in love in a way that the other person is not put in a defensive mode so they can hear it especially in those one-on-one or small twos and threes conversations. Okay, another sermon, read it or listen to it from last week. So let's talk a little more about this idea of blessing. 1 Peter 3.9 also talks about this, that we are to be people who bless. What does it mean to bless? Would you say that word just so I, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, it's just free will here. I mean, it would say bless, say it with me, bless. Makarios is the Greek word for this. When we're blessing God, there's a different word that's actually used, this uh, uh, eulogetos, uh, this idea of eulogy, this idea of giving thanks towards God, or Eucharist, communion. One word for Eucharist is based on this word, this idea of we give thanks to Jesus for his gifts of the broken body and the blood, his death and resurrection. But this makarios word, this idea is to bless, and it means this. Uh, Erdman's Bible Dictionary, for example, says this, to bless means variously, meaning options here, to worship or to praise, to bestow goodness and favor, and to invoke, meaning to name or to say such things over each other. Let me say that again. To bless means, these are the variety of options, to worship or to praise, worship directed towards God, or praise can be even directed towards a person uh, giving them encouragement, to bestow goodness and favor that our attitudes towards one another and our community should be that of goodness and favor, not icing, not fighting, not closing off, and to invoke, to name, to say, invoke just means to name, to say such qualities upon another person. It means to actually say it, verbalize it, use your tongue for good and encouragement. Let me just break out blessing a little more by definition, because we use that word, and if we don't define it, it can be sort of lost in the ether, as it were, Right? Like Christian can mean almost anything, so I like to talk about being a follower of Jesus or uh, that kind of thing. So again, blessing can be directed to God. So when we give honor or homage, uh, homage or homage, sorry, I said it like an American, adoration or something offered in gratitude to God. So it can be to God. A blessing can be from God, we see in Scripture. Prosperity sometimes, especially in Old Testament, or well-being in both physical And spiritual grace forms the New Testament and Old Testament. This idea of receiving from God this sense of blessedness, of belovedness. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about the beloved community. And we at Pilgrim, are we known as a beloved community? Are we known as a, what would be the opposite of that? Feisty, nasty community? (laughs) Like... Let's be, if we're on the spectrum, let us be towards the beloved community versus the denouncing everybody and everything all the time, thinking that somehow if we just shoot out enough truth, it will change the world. We know that doesn't work. 
We know that ultimately truth has to be embodied and lived out. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. We are to be little Jesus like him in this. So to others, so from God, again, prosperity, and particularly the New Testament speaks of this more in a spiritual and grace, internal empowerment, which is more powerful than the stuff. And then to others, bestowing goods and authority, verbal wishing goodwill, doesn't the German word Gesundheit mean like to your health? Come on, those of you who speak German, yeah, something like that. Like it's a blessing to your health, right? We can say that in English too, to your health. Sometimes people may toast that, to your health or whatever, cheers. So bestowing goods and authority, wishing verbal goodwill and speaking to God positively, speaking to God positively about someone else or asking God's care for them. My children, I have prayed over them since they were little. Sometimes it's harder when they're teenagers because then other words come out of my mouth. Then I have to model repentance, which because, you know, being the perfect pastor that I am, usually that repentance doesn't quite happen immediately after those harsh words, but eventually it happens. Not sure they can hear it yet, but they'll hear it when they're in their 20s. Again, this idea of speaking a blessing, I've done that over my kids. Lord, bless them. Lord, keep them, watch over them. May their hearts turn towards you even in their doubts and their wrestling. And I pray those prayers that they would bear fruit long after my body has decayed into dust and awaits for the return of Christ. Speak blessing over people, wish goodwill. Also, we see blessing in scripture, this idea of, of, of blessing a place, of things that are non-animate, of things that don't have being even, blessing a place. Lord, bless this place to be a place of encounter. Lord, bless these seats and whatever seats we have to be places, everyone that sits in one, may they be blessed. And not just their rear, but their heart and their mind as well, right? May this place, or wherever we gather, when we gather, may it be a place of blessing, that kind of thing. Uh, Lord, bless this home, bless, my, bless my, uh, my condo, bless wherever I'm at, bless my workplace, You're blessing the place, not so much because of the material, but because of who will inhabit that place, right? Okay, so let's talk about the three directions. Are you still with me this morning? Yes? Amen. Big picture today, we want to be a church of encouragement, an encouraging community. Say it with me, encouraging community. So there are three aspects. Let me throw in a little John Wimber quote because I like John Wimber quotes. He says, if you don't know how to give, then you don't understand the kingdom of God. We're not just talking about material here, but words, service. To be trusted with more, he says, is the willingness to give your best. Kingdom, meaning the kingdom of God, the kingdom is about giving our best as everything we have is always from the Lord. Jesus, in one of his last acts, as he ascends to heaven, we celebrate the ascension of Christ after Easter, after this season of Lent. In Luke 24, he says a blessing over him, over the disciples. And he says this in 24, verse 46, Jesus said to them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He's interpreting all of the Old Testament in that passage, saying all of the Old Testament, the story of Israel is pointing to me, He said, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life, and a change of heart, your heart, your heart, this morning, your heart can be changed as you orient it towards Jesus. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins. He said, this must be preached, this must be proclaimed 
in his name, Jesus' name, to all nations, all people groups. This has always been a global movement from beginning in Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And he continues on as he's preparing to ascend into that spiritual realm. He says, look, I'm sending you what the Father promised, but you are to stay until the city, until you've received power from on high, meaning the Holy Spirit. And then verse 50, Luke 24, he said this, he led them out as far as Bethany, so out of the city, where he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Many Christian artists have sort of portrayed this. And as he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshiped him, returned to Jerusalem, overwhelmed with joy, and they were continuously in the temple praising God. So the three directions of blessing. Number one is receiving the blessing of God. John 10.10 tells us this very well-known Christian verse. The thief meaning the powers, the broken one, and even a personal Satan, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. With our mouths, James says, we participate in hellfire, or as Acts and Paul, Luke reveals, we participate in the blessing, the encouraging, the building up. Are we participating in the great commission of darkness with our words? Are we participating in the power of life with our words? Which one do we reflect? All of us make this choice all the time, James says. Out of the same mouth, salt, spring, fresh water, it should not be. Some of us are in a prison because we have not understood God's blessing. So the first understanding is that you are blessed of God, the Father's blessing, the Heavenly Father's blessing. And this is an important thing to understand and to begin to get into your heart no matter what you face as an individual or as a community. That we are somehow sometimes in a prison because we have not, like these boys who not have this relationship with their father, we've forgotten the father's original creational blessing. Some of us are putting others in a prison because we've not understood again this father God blessing in our lives. And I want you to understand this morning that God, the father of us all, has come near to us in Jesus, and he wants to put his spirit on you and renew you in his spirit to soften a heart. Fill me again with your spirit is another softening my heart prayer, by the way. He wants to bless you. I think some of our issues at Pilgrim relate to, we've never had the blessing of fathers, maybe literal physical fathers or fathers in the church that understood that in the scripture, one of the important things of men and women of God who have gone farther in the faith than others, whether literally young people or spiritually new people in Christ, is to bless and to speak words of life over the next generation of believers and, of course, the next generation of people in the church. That is so important for the life of the church We must learn in the last third of our Christian life and of our physical age that we are there to bless the next generation, to release power, to encourage leaders, to raise them up, to take the risk and know they're not going to do it like we did it and know they're not going to do it perfectly. And yes, sometimes they're going to fall flat on their face because of sin or just stupidity because they're human. But we're there to pick them up and say, hey, it's okay. I bless you. Keep going. You can do this. God is with you. The Lord is building his church and he uses us messy people and speaking those words of encouragement and life. Some of you are here this morning because you need to hear, and I don't know who you are. Take on my glasses, so now you're all blurry faces. It's lovely. <laughs> I'm not wearing my contacts. I got to wear glasses. I cannot drive without one or the other. Because you were not blessed by your father or your mother. Whether it's in the secular sense of just speaking goodness and saying, I'm proud of you, daughter. I'm proud of you, son. Or spiritually, you were raised in a church 
and the older generation was dealing with their own woundedness. Remember, they're not doing that, most of them, because they're trying to be malicious. It's because they never knew any other way, and they don't know how to speak those words. And it's done something to your heart that's made it hard and made it hard to empower others and to love others and to encourage others. But we are here to be another kind of humanity. We are here to create a different kind of culture. Yes, we honor the good things of all the cultures we come from. But in Christ, there's something new we do when we gather in home churches and together. We are here in part to show there's another way to flourish of being human. It's not that there's only so much blessing to go around and once the tank is empty, there's no more. It's God's super abundant grace and love and that should empower our speech. And when we do that, the atmosphere, the environment, and very lives are changed. We must be an encouraging people that speak the blessing of God the Father, even if we never experienced it ourselves. The healing in my life happened as I began, as I grew, and the church was there to repair me. Church, not perfect, messy, brokenness. But ultimately, there is power that gives us new life on the inside, no matter our circumstances. Oh, I got really caught up on that one. I better keep moving. Amen? Amen. The original blessedness, the the blessing of God the Father. We need to understand that. We need to receive it. We need to walk in it. We need to then, number two, we return it back to God. Say it with me. Return it to God. You say, well, that seems silly. I I am now empowered by this message of Genesis 1 and 2. He created them in his image and likeness. He created them. Look at your neighbor and say, you are created in the image and likeness of God. I know some of you are looking at me and you're like, man, you're too ugly, but okay. (laughs) Even I was created in the image and likeness of God. (laughs) And and Adam and Eve sinned and all kinds of evil enters into creation, but yet God re-blesses in the Abrahamic covenant. And even when we turn away and we act out of being beloved children of God and we do sins that destroy covenant and destroy relationship and destroy human flourishing, God still reaches out. In Abraham, he renews. In Moses, he renews. In the law of ancient Israel, he wants them to be a model community of human flourishing and yet they mess it up and they blow it. And in the prophets, he says, I'm going to do it all once again. And Moses says it. And he says, well, I myself will come down and take on flesh. This is the scandalous message of Jesus. And he enters in And he says, all of Israel and human story, I will take on. And I will bless creation by becoming part of my creation. I will fully enter in, in Jesus. This is an amazing, powerful story. This goes beyond, this tears down religiosity and secular divides. And he enters into creation. And he blesses. And he blesses. And so we are called to return it to God. This is the engine of all Christian blessing. I praise the Lord so I can receive again this sense of who I am in him. And I can also delight his heart. He doesn't need my praise, but he delights in my praise. And that makes it personal. It's not just some abstract God being. It becomes personal in praise. We name the name of Jesus. We name the name of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. I'd like to spend more time on that middle one, but I got to land it. Let me just say this. You can learn to be a blessing by learning to praise God better. If you come into a worship gathering in a church, and this is if you're a Christian, non-Christian, if you come into a worship gathering and all you're thinking about is everything that everybody's doing wrong, you're missing it by a mile, a couple kilometers. I choose to be a worshiper 
Because I have learned over the years that as I enter into God's presence, and even like David, maybe let myself go a little more than might be a culturally acceptable in the church or the community I was raised in, I also receive more than I give in that worship. It's sort of crass to call it a transaction, but something's happened relationally. Something's going on that empowers me then to leave this place differently than I came in. Blessing God and deeper praise can move us into places that you won't experience anywhere else in all of creation. You can experience it a little bit in sport and music and art, but once you begin to name God scandalously close as Jesus, watch out. His spirit will begin working in your heart, softening you. So with a little thinking, we need to learn to move and give thanks and praise. We can say things about the character traits of God as we begin to learn the scriptures. We can say things like, God, you pour forth your goodness. You are never stopped giving. You're super abundant. Your love never runs out. And I thank you for that, God. And I praise you that your love never runs out. My parents' love runs out. My brothers and sisters' love can run out. Other relationships can run out. But God, your love never runs out. You pour forth your goodness. You never stop giving. You are the shepherd, Lord. Thank you that you are the shepherd who searches for the lost sheep that you don't give up. Thank you that you are the God of amazing grace that saved a wretch like me and reminded me I'm not just a wretch, but I'm a beloved child of a king desired that that you wanted to give that grace to. You're the father of all. You're perfect love. You're the beginning. You're the end. You go on and on and on. As you begin to use this strange language, and remember that every every field has its own language. Christians, we have some language we need to learn. Yes, yes, we need to learn to speak so people can understand who are not Christian for sure. But there's some language that we need to say, no, no, this is Christian language, and you won't find it very often or uh, as well filled out in the larger cultures around us. The language of blessing and praise. God prizes the praises that we offer. He likes to be present when we are talking to him. So we name God. Reflecting the blessing back to God. And then finally, the last one. Reflecting God's goodness and love to others. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Luke writes, In everything I've shown you, by working hard, we must help the weak. And he's requoting Paul here in his teaching. In this way, we remember the Lord Jesus' words. It's more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. Say it with me. More blessed to give than receive. Well, no. I, I, that's not how it works, our culture tells us. We need to hoard. We need to hold on. Anxious scarcity. I was never praised. Why should I praise someone else? Why should I, I was never encouraged. Why should I encourage someone else? Nobody's given me a large missile random check. Lord, why are you telling me to do that? It is more blessed to give and to receive. And when we lean in faith into God, we get back more than we ever give. Oh, it may not come in cold, hard cash. I know we all want it that way. You know, there's a saying that says nobody likes surprises unless it's a check. But here we're taught a kingdom principle here. Again, the Brugarian teaching is this. We... All of Old Testament is about the people of God trying to wrestle between the enemy's thinking of anxious scarcity, there's never going to be enough of anything, or God's super abundance. 
Pilgrim, we have a choice with our words. We have a choice with our actions. Anxious scarcity, there's never enough. We've got to hoard, we've got to hold on. And maybe because we've experienced that growing up or we experienced from others and we've been shaped by that. But I'm here to tell you today, there's another way of being human, trusting in God's super abundance. And if we do that, there are people that are literally and spiritually dying that need those words inside. And we have them. We must be super abundant with them. So those three acts of blessing others. I love how James, or excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, part of our vision statement, by the way, says this, we are to seek the welfare of the city to which we've been exiled into spiritually. They were literally, we are spiritually. We're to bless, seek the healing of the world with our words and actions. So three acts of blessing are speaking, giving and serving, speaking, giving, and serving. And I just want to finish by talking more about the speaking side. As we said before, James chapter three, verses eight through nine says this, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made, and he quotes the original creational blessing made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it should not be this way. First Peter 3.9, Peter writes, he says this, Do not pay back evil for evil. That's the way of the kingdoms of the world. Or insult for insult. Instead, give blessing in return. For you were called to do this so you might inherit a blessing. God's super abundance. You cannot outgive God. God will give and pour into you. Let me read you one more verse about speaking blessing. Paul to the church in Ephesus writes, chapter 4, verse 31, 32, put aside, put aside, take off, put aside, put aside all bitterness. Whew, that's all of us sometime. Losing your temper, and remember, losing your temper can look like verbal murder or you turn it inward And it sort of kills something within you, suicide, sort of this internal spiritual death. Losing your temper, anger, shouting, slander, along with every kind of evil. And then he says this, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving one another. Well, how am I supposed to do that, Lord? I can't do that. My heart is hard. I said, in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Your heart yielded to Jesus. The softening of the heart, the continual reorientation of the inward emotions, thoughts, personality, those things, turning it towards Christ. God... The beginning of that prayer may be just simply, God, I have a hard heart. I don't even have the desire to change. And maybe it's generally that way, or maybe it's about a specific person or situation. God, I have a hard heart. I don't even have a desire to change. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. That can be the beginning of the drip of a heart being softened by the water of the Spirit, wearing down the rock and the stone till eventually it becomes fertile soil. So speak blessing through a changed heart. Be kind to one another. It's not very deep theology, but it can change a church. It can change this house. The one another's of the New Testament call us to encourage one another, build each other up. To bless one another is to learn a new language. It's to learn a new way of speaking. I know what many of you are thinking. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to learn it. The language is too weird to speak. I bless you and speak it over to your church. But maybe begin with your mind with God. Begin blessing people by name in this church and in our neighborhood and in your workplace and in your school. Begin saying, Lord, I speak blessings over Paul. Even though he's a complete jerk to me last week, Lord, I bless him. 
I release, say that to the Lord. I release the jerkiness and I pray blessing over him. It can begin to change how you interact with hypothetical Paul the next day. We are called to bless. Who is it that God is calling you to bless? Ask him. Give me an assignment, Lord, to speak words of encouragement, an email, a text, a phone call, a letter, a visit. In your home church this week, you're going to do homework around this idea of blessing. Of course, you can bless through giving and you can bless through serving as well, but we must not neglect the words. Amen? All right. I'm going to land this plane here. Remember the original creational blessing and that it is, again, recapitulated. It is given again in Christ. When I became a Christian in that church, little Pentecostal church, and I always talk about that background because the, you know, the, your mother, your spiritual mother, that church, that place where you first, it has a huge impact on you for good and for bad. But man, they got blessing right. There was healing in that house because people would speak words of life, sometimes crazy words that were claimed by the Holy Spirit but weren't the Holy Spirit, just someone getting overexcited. But I would rather have someone get overexcited and say something good over you than always tearing you down or not saying anything at all. And some of you are here this morning because you, that original creational blessing that you should have heard from your parents, you never heard. You never heard. You couldn't measure up. There is nothing you, there was no one. And you know what? You say, well, it's my culture. All of us have those cultures. It's broken. It's sinful. For God says of you, indeed, just as he said of Jesus, the one and only true beloved son, as all of us, as we are in Christ, we are beloved sons and daughters of the most high God. You need to hear that. You need to hear that frequently in worship. You need to hear that, that he has created you. He has formed you. He thought you were so valuable that he died for you on the cross. You were of so much inestimable worth that he died for you and he rose from the dead. You begin to get that in you, it begins to change how you relate. And when you see that the person sitting next to you is also created in the image and likeness of God, representing the plural form majesty of God, creator of all, it begins to change how we do community. There are people in this neighborhood that whether it's secular or other religious paths have not heard the original creational blessing of God and re-given in Jesus and that God takes on even the brokenness, anything that would keep us from that blessing. God enters into the gap. He enters in. He takes it all on. He absorbs all the brokenness, all the sinfulness, forward and backward in time, all cultures, all people on the act and the cross. And then he says, you are blessed. Receive the blessing. He loves you. He cares for you. As the scriptures say this, he's the friend that is closer than a brother. So reflect that back to God and then reflect that to others. So let me land it for sure, for real this time. Repent of cursing yourself and others in this church and in our lives. Yes, we denounce things that are broken for sure. And there's times when we have to speak the truth in love, absolutely. But our default position needs to be that of not cursing and tearing each other down. Given you will receive. His superabundance love does not run out. Let it flow through you. Be a conduit of that with your speech, your words, your actions, your service. Repent of cursing yourself. Say it with me. Repent of cursing myself. That's the now what number one. The now what number two is this. Commit to serving with your words, your resources, and your actions. I challenge you to make this a season of blessing in this church. 
that this year would mark a change in Pilgrim's history because this is the year we decided we will be an encouraging community. We will build each other up in the most holy faith, even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We will take those commands of the New Testament seriously and we will seriously and joyfully look how we can build each other up and encourage that if someone is struggling, they know that they will experience love one way or another in this house. They will understand that that love will empower them for breakthroughs. Fear only gets you so far. Love gets you all the way. Commit to that. And then finally, I leave you with the third challenge. Repent of cursing yourself. Commit to being a blessing, encouraging community. And then third, let's dial it in real tight this morning. Who, listen to me, beloved. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Hear this. Who are you called to bless every week in your life? Ask God to show you who it is that you need to begin speaking, encouraging, and blessing words to. Make a plan to do it. Remember, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Nobody cares about your intentions. It's what you're actually going to do. Email, text, phone call, letter, visit someone, and maybe more than, maybe it's a couple people that you need to bless in different spheres of your life. And I'm going to leave you with one more challenge and make it super gritty. On the communion table... Some churches call this a place where we celebrate the Eucharist, the eulogia, thanks to giving to God. I have cards. In fact, I'm going to start passing these out. Claire, would you help me, my beloved child? Just <laughs> send them down both sides of the church. Would you hit this side for me? I have, I have a card. Again, I think I got these for free ages ago. But I'd wanted to do this for some time, and I've, I have stacks of cards. I buy cards, and I forget I buy cards. My wife has anniversary and birthday cards hidden throughout our house. And she finds them sometimes, and then I forget I have them, and I buy more. Uh, this is from Mennonite Central Committee. It has nothing to do with Mennonite Central Committee other than, yay, MCC. It's a great organization. But here's a card. If you don't like this card, fine. Use it as scratch paper. But here's a card and an envelope. I want you to write... This is your homework, church. This is high liturgy here, friends. This is high liturgy right here. I want you to write a note to somebody this week. Go to Canada Post. Buy some postage. If you can't afford postage, find me. I will buy the stamp for you. Or hand it to them personally and write a note of encouragement. This is your homework this week. Some of you maybe never done this before, but I challenge you to do it. An envelope and a card. Let's pray. Repent of cursing yourself, commit to becoming people of an encouraging church, and find specific people that you're called to encourage and bless. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence here. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this house. And God, our cultures have trained us, and sometimes our family systems. And as much as we want to celebrate all those things, I know that I was not raised initially of receiving that, but thank God that your church was there and thank God that there were people who got it. And thank you, Lord, that they were able to pour into my life and change part of my family's life as well. So I pray today that we would become an encouraging people. We rebuke the adversary. We do not want our tongues to be simply set on fire by the fire of hell, but the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
As Paul says, when the Spirit gives prophetic words in the New Testament sense, it is to encourage, it is to console, and it is to build one another up. That is an anointed word of the Holy Spirit. May those words flow out of Pilgrim Church, people on the journey with Jesus. May they flow out of us, Lord. And we repent, we repent, we repent, we turn from hardness of heart. Lord, we repent of not even having the desire to repent. May that drip, drip start on our hard hearts. And may people be reparented, whether they're 90 or 9, in the love of God revealed by you in Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name.